0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. A quick update on the ROTHK Netflix news from last week, some Hong Kong International Film Festival news, Logan released in China with a special advisory. And for our films this week, I'm covering Sisterhood while Paul looks at the last Hugh Jackman X-Men movie, Logan. Hey West
1: to another episode of east screen west screen this is the show where we talk about film from hong kong to hollywood and some other stuff in between i'm your host paul fox sitting here in sunny south florida and sitting at his reviews desk in the back of an uber black limo is mr kevin ma
0: hey, hey there paul how's it going How are you doing sir more well, right, I'm really busy because um, uh, there's a lead-up to uh, Film Mar, lead-up to Udine. I'm writing some stuff for the festival. I'm also getting ready to uh, travel to Osaka this week for the uh, Asian Film Festival. So just um, a lot of things coming together. Yes, yeah, busy time, busy time indeed. If
1: you are a film critic or a professional working uh, in the film industry, especially focusing on Asia, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, a lot of coming films. Anything on the horizon? uh that's uh, piqued your interest so far
0: well apparently the hollywood summer's already started right i mean logan made ton of money uh last weekend in, in america and around the world and we got the king kong movie and then next thing you know we got the fast and furious and then it's marvel and wait is it Mar- is there a marvel movie made this year yeah it's guardian of the galaxy guardian made. of the galaxy and then thor i think later this year is yeah yeah so film. so we're just we're and just spider-man you know Spider-Man, so um, Hollywood-wise we're already going, and of course um, uh, uh, May marks a huge month for for Chinese releases and there'll be a bit of news uh, coming up with that, and um, and of course, people in the industry is probably the busiest time because you got film art, uh, at, at least in, in in the Greater China region, film art, the biggest film market I think in in uh, in Asia, and in the Hong Kong Film Festival and Udine and like I said earlier Osaka, it, it's just all coming at once. And of course, I got my day job, so uh, yeah, it's all it's all going on. Busy times indeed. Well,
1: uh, I just want to throw out a little bit of sort of non movie news, but this is relevant to. Hong Kong, and in a way, it's um, a, a loose relationship to, of course, a very famous movie about Hong Kong. Um, and this is a free book that is now being offered from cartoonist Larry Fine. Now, if you don't know who Larry Fine is, he is the creator of a cartoon comic strip that originally ran in the South China Morning Post back in, let's say, the 80s and 90s. Um, called the World of Lily Wong. Now that title is very evocative, of course, of the the controversial and famous film The World of Susie Wong, and it is a comic strip that focuses on focuses primarily on the central character of Lily Wong, a sort of modern day young Hong Kong female, um, and her relationship with a foreigner, whose um, I, I, his name escapes me at the moment, and it was a very popular and very sort of controversial strip because of the political commentary and because of a lot of the politically incorrect uh, bits that he would throw in there at times. And he was eventually let go in the buildup, I think, right before 97 as the Sachan Morning Post started to become a bit more conservative. Worked for a time over at The Standard and did some strips there. And uh, he's released most of his strips in book format over the years. Some of them are harder to get now. You can still find them on places like ebay Um, but he was very influential for me as uh at one time i was an aspiring cartoonist and I, i loved his art style and i loved his sense of humor i think you can if looking back on some of those titles definitely not politically correct and maybe some things will be found as offensive but you know with any kind of cartoon strip your miles may vary he is now offering um a short collection of current work that he's released for free, and you can get a take a look at that uh, at no cost to yourself. You just have to exchange an email, basically uh, sign up for his mailing list, and you can do so at freebook. That's f r e e b o o k. dot Larry fine That's l a r r y f e i g n. dot com. And basically, you just sign up for his mailing list, and you'll get to download either a Kindle version or an ePub version of his latest book. Um, and he also talks a little bit about, it's a very short book um, in comparison to some of his older, older publications, but talks a little bit about um, uh, one of his earliest works as a cartoonist that got transferred to a t-shirt and that got subsequently pirated and, and ripped off. Um, and he sort of goes into depth of that and that, that forms the cover uh, for the basis of this current book. So if you're interested in cartoons or if you're interested in things focused about Hong Kong and um, you're not worried about being maybe perhaps offended, offended or you like things that aren't always politically correct, you can check that out. Um, it doesn't cost a dime. All right, enough about that. Let us throw the talking stick back over to Kevin at the News
0: Desk with this week's News. <laughs> Here at the news desk, uh, an update on a news item last week, um, pretty much right after we recorded the show, actually. Last week, we talked about um, RTHK series being available on Netflix. And just as I told Paul about it, literally like a day, like 12 hours later, Paul sent a little WhatsApp message to me. Uh, what was it, Paul?
1: Yeah, so um, I-, I was very excited after Kevin had-, had revealed this news. And that day we recorded, I sat down at lunch with my wife, I had already added both series to my wish list and we actually watched the first episode of The Neighborhood. And then that evening we were gonna you know, go into episode two and I looked and suddenly it's no longer there on my wish list and I did searches for it and it doesn't come up, it just gives me, you know, like Netflix does, it gives you those uh, things that are kind of like The Neighborhood, right? But not exactly <laughs> that. And I thought, okay, what happened? And then I decided to check out via vpn if it was still on the hong kong netflix site and i got over to hong kong netflix and it showed up there in my wish list as if i were you know there in hong kong having a wish list but i could not download it i could not stream it so i you know messaged kevin like they pulled it what happened uh you know what's going on and so yeah if uh if you were like me very excited to be able to watch these two rthk programs um apparently netflix doesn't want us to for some reason now kevin you had mentioned that they got pulled in hong kong too is that correct
0: yeah um i was checking right afterwards and i remember now the third show that was on is called it champions and and for, for a few days. Actually, I think there's a bit of confusion because, um, so The Neighborhood got pulled, Your Family Doctor, which is the other uh, show, um, got pulled, and then IT Champions was actually still on for a few days and checking just now, that one's also been pulled for some reason. Now, I, I don't think that Netflix would go and, and subtitle all these shows because, you know, HK, HK, um, RTHK don't do English subtitles for their shows. So Netflix probably had to pay for it out of their own pocket. They're not going to they're not gonna you know subtitle these shows for for no reason right i mean i think they were they they had a deal and they cleared they thought they cleared it and they put it on and everything went like clockwork but i'm guessing there's some rights issue or something didn't clear and they had to uh pull it off again
1: yeah so we if you were out there and you're trying to find it and you can't find it we do apologize for that i'm as equally shocked and like i said i was able to actually watch the first episode without a problem and i'm hopeful that uh, they'll get this rights issue resolved and uh, get things back up there so that we can once again engage with it because well from what i saw with the first episode my wife and i both liked it and we're typically a bit critical of uh these sort of tvb style dramas um you know that level of production value and quality but the writing here was pretty good and it, it looked like it had a good focus at least on sort of contemporary local issues, and we were looking forward to watching more. So hopefully it will be back up sooner rather than later.
0: Um, I think, Paul, if you still have your VPN, you can actually still go into the RTHK website and watch the archive if you uh, can look up the Chinese name. Unfortunately, there's no English subtitles, but your wife can can catch up on it and uh, give you the update. She can give you like a long synopsis and sure. tell you what happened on the show. Yeah, well, we might give that a try if it doesn't come back.
1: All right, let us move on to bigger news with the Hong Kong International Film Festival.
0: Yeah, news from the festival has been slowly trickling down. Um, So bit by bit, you know, so they earlier announced that they'll be doing a a retrospective of Amber Yang films, which is great. uh, The the late Taiwan director. Um, And and there's a couple of uh, remastered films, including Seven Samurai. And then there uh, also there's also a couple of films that are coming in from the Berlin Film Festival, um, and then this last last week I think so late last week they announced that um, they are gonna be opening with Pan Ho Love Off the Cuff, um, as we had talked about before. This the third film in the uh, the Love in whatever Love. Series that started with love in uh, love in a puff, and it continued on with love in a puff, and now it's um, perhaps ending with love off the cuff. I'm not sure yet, honestly. Um, so the third film in the uh, in the in the series, and uh, Sean Yu and Miriam Yuren return uh, as the uh, couple, Sherry and Jimmy. Um, I did do some translation for the film uh, for the for the production company, so I sort of know a bit more about the story. I, I don't think I'm allowed to uh well it's not like a secret it's a production nooks, right um so in addition to those the, the the old cast is returning and um the film is about uh this couple going through seven year itch and and sort of having to grapple with these long gestating issues with their uh, relationship um this the uh actually the second film in the series to open the festival uh love in a Buff was the opener uh in 2012 if i remember correctly um Oh, sorry, 2014, actually, I think. Yeah, 2014, along with uh, The Midnight... No, 2014 was Aberdeen. Sorry, so this is the third Power film to open the festival. Power obviously, a, a, a popular name with uh, festival goers and also with the festival and also with um, Hong Kong film fans. Um, and... Uh, yeah the film opens in Hong Kong and china on april twenty seventh so so if you do if you happen to miss the uh, the opening it's not a big deal because you can you know catch it in cinemas two days later but you wouldn't be able to see million Yun and shine you in the flesh and and watch it on the big uh, grand grand theater screen at the uh, the cultural center but um but don't worry if you miss it it's coming soon and uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I'm a big Po fan, and uh, it'll be and the story seems pretty interesting, so uh, it'll be good to see the story continue.
1: yeah, I'm curious to see I mean, can you share any insight? is this because uh, the second film was very obviously a lot about you know being in the mainland, working in the mainland. Is this truly a return to Hong Kong or is it um, sort of a hybridization?
0: no as far as i know this is a return to hong kong and this time they uh travel elsewhere there's no more china elements even though it is still a co-production it's still made with chinese money and of course a uh, a co-production um but as far as i know they're not in beijing anymore uh they're back in hong kong the trailer actually pretty much says so because you see some of the old characters from the first film coming back here um and yeah uh, so and, and actually, after Love and the Buff was really pop, uh, was became a hit at the box office. There were rumors that um, this 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 third film would be about them starting a family, and um, it's not quite about that, even though the sort of meet the parents aspect do come in. Um, I won't spoil too much, but yes, there is that uh, sort of bit of element in the story, and it should be interesting to see it in the film. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it whenever I get a chance to see it. Any word on the uh, closing films so far?
0: No, the full uh, the full uh, lineup will be announced next week on March fourteenth during uh, Hong Kong Film Mart. Um, it'll be a Wednesday afternoon, um, so we'll uh, we'll have more. I think uh, when we record, maybe next show, two shows later, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. All right. Very very good. Okay. Up next, we've got some TVB news. Right, uh, sort of late breaking. Actually, just found out this as we were recording. Uh, Tlg Movie Entertainment Group. It's a uh, Beijing um, based uh, company. It's not very well known. Um, they actually had um, they were looking at into buying twenty nine point nine percent of TVB, Hong Kong's uh, uh, television station. It would have been a controlling stake in the uh, in the company. Uh, but today was their deadline to pull to you know go ahead with the deal and. And they uh, informed TVB at last minute that they have decided not to proceed with the offer. Um, there was uh, a bit of controversy because uh, TVB had been sort of in, in a slump for the last couple of years, and they've been looking for buyers. And um, when this, you know, Beijing company um, uh, came in and 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 uh, essentially applied to to buy it, a lot of worries about Beijing influence, uh, mainland Chinese influence into uh, the, the 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 television station. There had already been, I mean, TVB is already not popular with certain asp- uh, um, sectors or certain age groups in Hong Kong because of its very sort of pro-establishment stance in the news coverage and also in uh, in, in its um, general editorial stance, I suppose that's the word. Um, so this deal would have been very controversial, would have been very, um, it would have gotten a lot of bad press, essentially. Um uh, so, uh, the SCMP story says that the founder of the company didn't, uh, declined to comment on why they decided not to buy the, uh, or take over the company, uh, but they confirmed that they are pulling the deal. Um, also, no comment from TVB as of yet. Um, and I guess they will have to continue looking for a buyer, but um, I think in this direction, it seems like the money is going to come from China, from a company in China, somehow, uh, because they do hold, you know, the money, and they are interested in going to the media business, and I think um, it is, be already aligned with um, a joint venture uh, that's already China-related, so li Ray Gang, a, uh, a media tycoon in China, is, is, is already uh, in a board of directors, so um, it's just because just one company decided not to buy it, it doesn't mean that you know another China company won't step in and, and try and buy TVB again.
1: Yeah, I you know, as much as we rail against TVB, it would be a shame for it to go that route, because I do think there would be some undue influence if um, if most of the controlling stake ended up in the hands of the North. I mean, there's already been controversy against TVB and some of their reportage of things like the Umbrella Revolution and and, um, subsequent protests, right? Um, And I guess this is going to just continue to be the case going forward because, you know, it is the media.
0: It's the media, and TVB, you know, they do want an operation in China, so they've been doing this for years, this whole uh, pro-establishment stance, uh, sort of in the editorial coverage and also in their program choices and things like that, also in the infotainment program even. Um, They've been going through the stance for some time, so it's it's no surprise that... They are looking for China buyers, um, and it's just gonna have to be that way. I'm afraid. I mean, any big business in Hong Kong these days have to be pro-China establishment. That's just the way it is. And um, I mean, and all I can say, yeah. The
1: the controlling stake is, I mean, still that's like right now still a carryover from Shaw, right? I mean, it's like Mona Fong is was is a key person in in, in the company. I mean. Is is this like that last bastion of the Shaw Studio, basically, you know, stepping aside?
0: Essentially, I think it is Monofong and the Shaw Shaw Company selling their shares. They're mm-hmm. trying to let go of this, and apparently, you know, Monifong hasn't really been the sort of power figure in TVB for a while now. It's uh, Virginia Locke, um, whose name you will see in like um, the opening credits of Line Walker. She is sort of the controlling force. Um, in TVB, um so it's it's a matter of time before the the shaw the sort of shaw money or shaw shares or shaw power in the company finally withdraw and sell off their shares and i think um and you know it's not a really big deal i mean it, it they've been like i said they've been they haven't been in control of the company creatively for for a long time now um so it's no surprise that they are pulling out and um they TVB has been had that joint venture with uh, a Chinese company already, so I guess no surprise that they would be looking towards the north. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it'll be the sort of an end of an era if uh, the the last bastion of Shaw Brothers is kind of uh, moved away from uh, any kind of media production. I mean, we we often comment about the quality of, of such things like the you know the uh, the I Love Hong Kong movies and th- those kinds of things, but. It, it was it was always nice to have that feel of like a Shaw Brothers logo, even though it's associated with TVB. Pop up now and again when you you know go watch a movie. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Shaw Brothers is owned by TVB now. Shaw Brothers is a TVB company now, so I think it's sort of the other way around that right. it's not Shaw that owns TVB; it's TVB that that that, that is holding right. up this yeah holding right. up this this logo.
1: Well, it, it is the end of an era. And you know, speaking of TVB, I was going to mention this at the end of the show. Um, but it, I guess it's appropriate to mention it here. Uh, a friend of the show, Wilson Kwong, had written in to me, and um, he had. Uh, we were just talking uh, about stuff on emails back and forth, and he has written recently written an article, um, and it's co uh, it's co published on his site and at V Cinema um, as well. So you can find it both there on his site, which is Throwdown815.com, or you go to V and you'll find it there. The night name of the article is called TVB unnecessary evil in the Hong Kong entertainment industry. And, uh, you know, I, he wanted to bring it to my attention because he knows I'd often talk about TVB and how he liked watching it with my wife and things. And he does a pretty good breakdown on sort of the pros and cons of TVB and why people still kind of grudgingly are drawn to it, especially from, you know, older generations and especially people who are living abroad as sort of that bridge back to hong kong even if it's not a a super high quality bridge um so if you're interested if you're somebody who watches tvb dramas and and you're kind of interested on um uh, that take on it please do check out his uh his article again it's over at com or throwdown815.com
0: finally a little bit of logan news since we're going to be talking about logan this week that's right um so logan was released uh pretty much day and date in China, but in a in a slightly different form. Um, because of the violence, a uh, Chinese uh, distributor had to cut 14 minutes out of the film. Um, not sure what the 14 minutes is, because um, I talked to a friend in China, and I told her, uh, hey, you know, Logan was cut by 14 minutes. She's like, what? I didn't realize this, because she saw the film. And I said, yeah, you know, heads get blown off and, and stuff. And she's like, well, I, I couldn't, I didn't, really? I, I, I had no idea. No wonder he was running, and then nothing happened. (laughs) He's talking about the finale. He's like, he ran all that way, and then he didn't do anything. No wonder. Um, So so that's because Logan had all these violent shots cut out for the China release. But nevertheless, despite that, um, apparently the the authorities uh, actually told, instructed the distributor. Who in turn had to instruct cinemas to um, slap an advisory on uh, all all cinema box office windows and the posters, telling um, parents not to uh, telling parents that any child, young elementary elementary school age or younger, had to be accompanied by a parent or guardian or an adult to watch Logan. Um, and this the first time is sort of official because the last time I think. Um, it was Alice or uh, either Hacksaw Ridge, I think it was Hacksaw Ridge or something, where the um, sometimes these cinemas would voluntarily warn parents about films but this is the first time that um, it seems like there's an official advisory being handed down to the distributors telling people to um, warn younger audiences to stay away. Um, this is interesting because um, Chinese uh, well, China doesn't have a rating system for films. So, theoretically, all films released in China have to to be suitable for audiences. Um, And I think that this advisory may be a hint that uh, a rating system may be on the way uh i mean of course it's it's not like a definite it's this sort of assumption on my part and uh estimated i guess an educated guess on my part but um this is interesting because even after all the violence is cut the film still requires an advisory so i wonder what they did keep but um could this be sort of an opening or some kind of uh, 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 um, early signs of a rating system in China? And even with a rating system, would films still get cut in China? Um, I think this sort of opens uh, some interesting questions.
1: What did they do with Lust Caution? Do you remember?
0: They cut it. I mean, they cut. They, they It was a, a censored version. And then after two weeks, when they realized that it was still too, too, too racy, they pulled it out in cinemas. Yeah. so so even the theatrical version was pretty uh tamed already apparently um but even then the stuff they kept it was still a bit too much for audiences and they realized that maybe they sort of let things uh let things uh too too they were too lenient uh so so yeah it's always like that in china right they let they sort of be they, they let loose a little bit and then they pull back one step forward two steps back essentially hmm. uh, um so i wonder uh, how long logan's gonna last in cinemas and and if people are gonna complain about the violence that still exists in the film and whether chinese censors will pr- do two steps back or would they take another step forward i think there's an interesting uh, development yeah
1: i i remember i uh, think last week um professor john bear up in beijing who's um, also involved with v cinema he had posted on Facebook this announcement that, yeah, they'd cut 14 minutes out. And he was like, well, there goes my weekend plan. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know, just go watch it anyway. And then down the line, when you get access to the, the normal uncut version on DVD or something, you can do a paper on, you know, the, the comparison between cuts or something. He was like, yeah, but I, <laughs> I didn't want to do a case study this weekend. I just wanted to go enjoy some cinema. So, it's a shame that um, I, I mean really that seems like an extensive amount of cuts. I mean I Deadpool didn't have that much cut, right? Deadpool didn't play in China. Oh, it didn't. I thought No, Deadpool was... didn't get released in China. Okay, I thought they yeah. I thought they got a release and but it was cut down. I must be thinking no, no, of Hong it Kong, yeah.
0: No, um... Hong Kong got a Hong Kong got two versions of it but the difference was only by 20 seconds so I, when I watched Logan I thought oh you know it's probably just a borderline category three and then you know then the movie happened and it's like okay yeah, yeah. Um, but I was surprised that Logan got released but of course the price of that came with 14 minutes of cuts um, also Resident Evil was apparently also cut in China but you know it's a monster movie so I mean that's not that's not a surprise at all as well yeah
1: um. That probably was an improvement to Resident Evil, though. <laughs> <laughs> Any minute you save is an improvement, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, all right, well, if you get a chance to see the China cut version of Logan, and you have some thoughts on it, uh, you know, drop us a line. Let us know um, anything you notice. You know, because again, this is this is the interesting thing. It's like we probably won't ever get to see that cut, right? Because that's not a cut that's going to make it to. A special edition
0: dvd or anything like that so <laughs> right and, um, and if you want to know what happens if you watch the china cut and you want to know what happens after logan runs you can email us too yeah. <laughs> all right let us take a short musical break as we
1: end off our news and we'll be back with our first review this week with sisterhood and welcome back so up first for our e-screen review this week Kevin's going to take us through the all-female film as he calls it of sisterhood
0: yes sisterhood it's um well, a couple of firsts. Uh, first of all, it's the first film by uh, Macau-based director Tracy Choi. It's the first um, film to be distributed by One Cool, which is a uh, Louis Koo's company. Um, so, uh, and I think it's the first all-female Hong Kong film in uh, quite some time. So, um, quite an interesting uh, background to it. Uh, first, the story: Say, played by Gigi Leung, moved from Macau to Taiwan 15 years ago and runs a bed and breakfast with her husband. Um, in a rural village. One day, Say discovers a missing persons ad in the papers with her name on it. Her best friend in Macau, Ling, had just passed away, and their old friends are hoping that Say could attend the funeral. Uh, cue the flashback to uh, 15 years ago, in the 1990s, when Say, now played by Fish Leung, um, a young actress, recalls um, her younger days with Ling, played by Jennifer Yu. Um, it was Ling who actually got Sei her first job in a massage parlor, and she would later invite Sei to live at her home. Say and Ling's friendship deepens when Ling discovers that she is pregnant. Um, being the good friend that she is, Sei promises that she would raise the baby with Ling like a real family. Um, so it's a young director. A debut feature film with the support of a former Milky Way scriptwriter, Aoki Ni, uh, who um, serves as a scriptwriter here. So it is a very rare all female film in Hong Kong. You know, mostly female cast, uh, female creators, um, and of course, a uh, uh, female story uh the film depicts macau's change from a sleepy small town to a major metropolis the film uh, is sort of half set in the 90s uh before i guess all those other casinos across the uh, the bay uh popped up and became a huge tourist town uh but also the other half is about macau now which is a really major metropolis um you know huge wealth gap uh Wealth poverty gap, I'm sure, and, and people just sort of the locals are sort of struggling to find sort of their way and to find their identity. Um, it has a lot to go for it, honestly. I think these backgrounds are really interesting, but unfortunately, the story isn't really all that interesting. Um, the The film doesn't really give a lot of background to the girls. Um, the massage parlor stuff could have been pretty interesting, but it's dropped very quickly. Uh, in fact, I think the girls, the four. When, in the flashback, there are four girls, um, and uh, in modern time, they're played by adult actresses. So you got Gigi Leung, uh you also have Stephanie Che, and you also have Teresa Mack. Um, um, but the younger version, the girls really could have just been like senior dealers, or they could have been shop girls, or they could be working in a local store, or something like that. Um, I feel like the massage part, the massage parlor part of the story, was there for sensationalism, and there's it's not really even about the um, the, the the shady kind of massage. Partly it's, it's the sort of legit massage. It's about massage parlors, but it's it's about halfway through the story, you don't even see the massage parlor anymore. Um, but I think the modern uh, section of the story about these these former masseuse uh, struggling to survive in modern Macau, trying to find their identity within this, this big industrial or not uh, commercial uh, city is, is pretty interesting. Um, there is a twist that I don't want to review here um, uh, sort of towards the end, but um, I guess I, all I could say is that the surprise of the twist of the twists, rather, um or how you know the whole the whole friendship just, um between ling and say deteriorated um i wish that these flashbacks were a bit better planted um you have one major flashback or one pivotal moment that comes up very early in the film but again and then it's sort of presented later on as like it's the first time that you're seeing it so i wish that it gets planted a little bit more more planning i guess um comes a bit of a surprise and there's a better link sort of between the past and present that's an editing issue really and I guess partly script writing um, but it's a pacing issue you know it's about sort of taking the, your, your your audience on a journey and if you're going to rely on flashbacks to tell your story um, essentially flashbacks I think are there to inform the audience rather than the characters and if you're going to inform your audience in that manner you sort of have to plan it a little better. Uh, the story also seems to skip over a lot and um, uh, remember the Taiwan husband, uh, Say's Taiwan husband, he sort of he shows up in the flashbacks, but he shows up in a very sort of abrupt manner. He comes out of nowhere. And also Ling's pregnancy also comes out of nowhere. You, you, don't, you don't have any idea that Ling was actually seeing different guys. So, so um, there's no real sense of, there's no world building, so to, so to speak. You don't really get a sense of who these characters are. Say this sort of shows up in the beginning of the story uh, looking for a job, but you have no idea why, what her family background is. Same for Ling. Um, so it's kind of hard to get involved, but the twist of uh, the story itself does work somehow on an emotional level. I think these characters are involving enough that you care about them, but it's really not as um, affecting or emotionally powerful as, um, as the makers think that it is. Um, Tracy Choi uh, still has a lot of work to do, but um, I think, I think uh, to sort of handle this project in her hometown, um, with you know a big star like gigi leon i think it's not a bad start at all um in fact i would say if you do want to support young blood in hong kong slash macau cinema i would say watch it but to be brutally honest it's a it's a very flawed film with good intentions and if you don't mind that then i think it's uh something worth watching
1: how does how does gigi fare here in the context of films like you know where she works with barbara wong I'm thinking like Wonder Woman, Allure of Tears, um, or other things like Aberdeen or um films where she you know, what was um uh Wang Kayan, you know, where she's been seen to handle herself a little bit better dramatically.
0: Um well she's it's definitely now she's gotten older she's playing more mature roles but i think the script doesn't do her any favors like for some reason um she's become an alcoholic in the in the in the modern segment and and she would be carrying this this big like bottle and just like start chugging everywhere and it almost looks like she's drinking water like it's someone that you can tell like Gigi it's does a, not drink a lot it's a, a, a Fankel product
1: right it's got to be a fankle product <laughs>
0: Right, like you just can. I I think there's this. It's a gallon.
1: It's a gallon jug of tense up or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just that Gigi Learn, I think superficially, she's become a better, sort of more mature actress. But she's she doesn't. She's not really much for subtlety. So so in a way, you know, things that little small things that actors should pick up on. Like for example, when you drink. I, 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 you know, when you do a big um, uh, um, take a big drink of alcohol, you should wince a little bit because, you know, that stuff is not hard to swallow, especially something, I think she's drinking vodka. Um, that stuff is not hard to swallow. It's not easy to swallow, right? I mean, even, like, drinkers would generally, like, you know, do a little wince, Especially she just drinks it like water. So, it's just these little, like, like, uh, subtlety stuff that, that she should have brought to her character. She doesn't. I mean, she delivers the crying stuff, okay, but um, I think she still is a bit too superficial in terms of acting. Um, so, unfortunately, she should have been carrying the movie as sort of the veteran, you know, the lead actress. But um, um, I think the younger actresses fare much better here. Uh, I think Fishkun and Jennifer Yu both uh, nominated for Hong Kong Film Awards, by the way. Uh, Best New. Uh, oh, um, no, I'm sorry. I think Jennifer Yu is. Anyway, both actresses are nominated, but in different categories. Um, um, they, they're they pretty good here, and they, they do have a good report. And. Um, um so watch it for the younger actresses and try not to get distracted now that you're trying to watch Gigi Learn drink in the film. Don't get distracted. I'm sorry I did that. But anyway. Alright.
1: Uh how how does it treat Macau? I mean, is this on the is this on the level with something like Isabella or is it just um a pretty standard
0: Macau film? Well, it is it, shot by a a Macau native, so you get a sense of You can see that it doesn't go for the easy tourist location, doesn't go for the pretty shots, which is good because Pao Chun went for the pretty shots, right? I mean, he's not a local and he went for sort of the nice locales and and, and pretty places, but it it feels like a legit sort of Macau film, set in Macau, shot by someone who's from Macau and who knows, you know, the best location for the story rather than the best locations for the cinematographer.
1: Our West Screen Review this week, as Kevin alluded to, it seems like uh, summer has come early in uh, 2017, and we're here to talk about the latest in the X-Men franchise, with uh, the final film from Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, uh, as I've read elsewhere. Uh, Logan. This is the, I guess the, been, he's been doing this like 17 years. I'm not sure exactly how many X-Men films to date. I've kind of lost count. There's so many. But this, I think it's is 10th. It I think the tenth? it's 10th, yeah. this, this is the third in sort of the standalone films focused on Wolverine with uh, X-Men Origins, and then The Wolverine, and then finally Logan. And I'm kind of pleased to say that the curve has gone upward with each of those films, starting from probably what some would consider the worst of the X-Men films with uh, X-Men Origins. And the X-Men Origins title, and going upward with The Wolverine, which was pretty okay, and this film, which is uh, very, very good. Now, this is coming from director James Mangold, um, who's previously worked with uh, Hugh Jackman before, I think, on uh, Kate and Leopold, and he's uh, he also did The Wolverine, uh, the second film. Um, he's done other things like Walk the Line and 310 to Yuma. So he's got a pretty solid... Filmography, and there are probably things in there that uh, most film fans will find something to identify with in terms of a film they perhaps like. Um, And I think he brings a very interesting look and feel uh, to the film. So let me talk a little bit about the story and we'll get into some of our thoughts on it. So, this is taking place in a future um, that's set as 2029. In this future, mutants are nearly extinct and The former X-Man, Logan, is now working as an Uber driver to make ends meet. He is having to care for an ailing Charles Xavier, who, because of dementia and other issues, um, he's become much more affirmed, and he loses control of his uh, very powerful mental abilities at times. But when a young mutant refugee is brought to him, he is asked to take her to a safe haven known as Eden, while she is being pursued by mutant hunters from a company called Transigen. And of course, this young mutant, if you've seen the trailers, you kind of know, bears many similarities to Logan himself. So uh, to get in a little bit of the history of this, this is actually based on a very popular graphic novel called Old Man Logan, which is an alternative series in the Marvel Universe about a different future where basically all the heroes fell Right. All the heroes in the Marvel Universe got defeated over the course of uh, it starts with an event in a single night. And then, uh, you know, their successive fallout. But basically all the heroes, you know, Captain America, Thor, Spider-Man, all those guys, Iron Man, Avengers, everybody. um, They've all been pretty much wiped out. And the the villains have won and they've taken over. They've sectioned off um, the United States into different territories it's a very sort of interesting take on a post-apocalyptic kind of superhero universe Um, a kind of big what if tale the one thing that's noted for the series is that logan is one of the few survivors because of his abilities um he's gotten very very old and you know with that age has come issues that he's had to deal with and he's basically become kind of a a recluse he's tried to you know keep his head down for the most part so there's not much connection here to the graphic novel, except that the, the kind of state of being that the characters in being sort of old, um, having to deal with, you know, issues of being so long lived and, and these kinds of things um, that and also the fact that in the old man Logan graphic novel, somebody shows up and a road trip ensues and the road trip sets the course for the adventure for the character. So that's pretty much the state of things here. Uh, There's another connective point, which is a bit of a twist that I don't want to give away. But if you've read the Old Man Logan uh, graphic novel series, it's not long. It's about six issues in in length. You can get it all as one collected volume. And it's really a good read um, if you like comic books at all, even though it's sort of an alternative, you know, parallel thing kind of. Um, I'd say definitely get a look. Very good art, very good writing. Um, and they do a, They do pull a twist out of that narrative and throw it in here. And I'm not going to reveal that, as I said, for fear of spoilers. Um, so, yeah, that sets the stage here. It, it becomes a road trip movie with Logan and this young girl who has powers very much like his own. And, of course, um, the very great Patrick Stewart uh, reprising his role once again. And also for the last time, as I've read, for Professor Charles Xavier. And the strength of this movie it is in its smallness. I mean, if, especially when you compare it to the last entry, last year's X-Men uh, Apocalypse, which was an apocalypse all of its own because of all the sort of CGI-ness and um, the, 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 the sheer comic bookery of it, I would say. And this franchise, the X-Men franchise, has had a difficult time maintaining sort of that balance between performance and and not getting too comic booky and so here they've kind of pulled things back they've scaled things down they've let the actors come in and really focus on acting there's still a ton of action um, going on but gone are the big sort of you know cgr cgi particle battles and and things that you've become accustomed to in the the last couple entries of of these franchises And so because of that, there's more room for the actors to flex. And do they ever flex? They flex very, very well here. Um, So it's a smaller film, and that may surprise uh, some audience members going in if they're not really sure what to expect. Uh, Some have written that there are political parallels, too, because there are issues with refugees and sort of the main antagonist is named Donald. I, you know... (laughs) I don't want to go that that far because this film kind of started in production a couple years back before we got to where we are right now um but certainly there are some there there's definitely some political nudging going on about about certain issues with things like immigration um allusions to getting to a place that's a better place known as eden which happens to be north of a certain border um You know, so uh, we'll we'll see what Kevin has to say about that in just a minute. Uh, But really strong performances by the cast. The chemistry of Stewart and Jackman are really, for me, what hold this film together. The new uh, young actress that they bring in to play, Laura, is also good in what she doesn't do. Most of the film, she is silent. She is not talking. She is simply glaring, you know, and and emoting through, um, you know, through her face which is great, um, and it, it really goes a long way with the storytelling. You also have a strong supporting role from Stephen Merchant here, who comes in as Caliban. Um, fans of the X-Men comic will know this character. He was also, the Caliban character, was in X-Men Apocalypse last year. He was played by a different actor. Um, Thomas Lemarque, I think, was his name. Um, but Stephen Merchant uh, brings... Um, Uh, a sense of drama and also a sense of humor uh to the role that i think is very appropriate for for the character so this is not your average superhero film and uh, one one point i want to make about caliban there are a couple scenes uh in in sort of the first third of the film that i wouldn't be too surprised if some people start writing some slash fiction (laughs) about caliban and his relationship um not that I'm saying that that's alluded to at all, but there, there's there's some stuff there that's very, you know, it's it's very domestic, I would say. Um, and it would not be a, a, a stretch to have some, some fan fiction going in that direction out there. Uh, but this is not your average superhero film. There's lots of violence. There's lots of F-bombs. But all of this feels appropriate. My big fear going into this film was that it was going to suffer from Deadpool syndrome um, because it was going to be a push to make this character just into a hard R for the sake of being a hard R. -R. But if, you know, aside from Deadpool, if there is a character that deserves to have an adult rating, it is Wolverine because of the nature of how he fights and, and what he does. And I think the director knows that and he handles it very, very well. So I think it's appropriate. Do not take the kids, not a kid's movie, even though it's a comic book character, moves well beyond comic book camp, and it even lampoons that camp at times. Um, And I think it's probably best not to think about continuity with regard to where this fits with the other films or anything like that, um, because it doesn't really matter. It's solidly a standalone film. It's good if you've seen, you know, a couple of the original X-Men movies to establish the relationship between Wolverine and Professor X, Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman. Um... And that will help but it's not necessary because i think even if you went into this never having seen an x-men film um the strength of their chemistry the strength of their performance is enough to carry it as a solo film uh i i would say that uh i was hoping for a bit more just because of what i knew coming out of the comic books i was it because of the smallness of the film in a sense i was hoping that There was a bit more in it, um, but still, despite that desire, it still works so very well. Um, There are a couple surprises, and I guess what I really wanted was a couple more surprises than the few that they uh, gave me. Now, at my screening here, they actually ran the new Deadpool teaser trailer right before the start of the film. And because this is such a serious film, it almost felt, it, it almost made the Deadpool trailer feel odd by comparison. I talked to some folks in Hong Kong, they said they did not run uh, the Deadpool trailer. They were in fact commenting that in Hong Kong it was the typical, you know, Fankle House commercials and things that, that you often get. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like a huge pendulum has swung between the very adult Deadpool from last year to the very adult and serious uh, Logan film this year. Um, and that's not to discount one or or the other it's just seeing that trailer before this movie was such a stark contrast Um, so in in short I can say it's a wonderful way to close out this chapter this generation uh, for both Patrick Stewart um, for Hugh Jackman and the characters they portray to go out on such a high note uh, is very pleasing although it's it you you kind of want more. you know it's one of those films when it's so good you, you you want more, but you understand okay, it's time you know time to pass it on, let somebody else take it up or, or whatever they're gonna do with the franchise. Um, these guys had their run and what a great way to end that run. Uh, Kevin, let me throw it over to you and give us some of your take on it
0: so to be to be honest, I've never been a huge fan of the X-Men franchise like I've seen all of them. Uh, if I remember correctly, I've seen all the movie movies um, and all the other stuff um, uh, and the only one I actually liked was the first X-Men film I was actually quite giddy after I watched the first X-Men film um, because it was pre-Marvel, right? So it was really cool and I, I liked it a lot but I didn't feel much for X2 and all the other films but this, I think, is the second film that I like in the X-Men franchise, which is saying a lot and um, uh, yeah, I really like the the, the tone of it. Um, uh, this this whole realism I know a lot of people say, "Oh, it's because of Deadpool that Logan happened," but no, I think it's because. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman sort of had a clout over the project. He used his clout to get this film made, and he even took less money to get the film made within the budget that, that Fox gave them, so so was more power to him. Um, of course, I'm sure he negotiated an extra back-end deal for himself, so he's going to get paid pretty well um, in exchange. But, um... No, I really like. It. I mean, James Mango, I I actually like James Mango as a director. I've been watching his stuff since Copland, and uh, he's one of those journeyman directors. Um, and this sort of uh, cliche now. He never makes the same movie twice, uh, even though he's made two Wolverine movies now. Um, but you no, know, he's a, one of the more interesting Hollywood directors. You know, it doesn't sort of put himself in a box. He doesn't do the same thing over and over again. He tries different things, and I think Logan is um, going to be remembered as one of his best films. Uh, rightfully so Uh, the tone of it was great and um uh Hugh Jackman and 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 Patrick Stewart is great are great together I love the the really um dark gloomy tone they've taken because this whole x-men whatever mutant thing I'm tired of mutants and and I know that the first couple of films was an allegory for homosexuality just like the original comics um but later on, they sort of forgotten about that and just made it pure, you know, superhero films and sort of lost the the whole what what the um, the whole thing is supposed to be. So I kind of like that they decided to take a new new direction, which is, is a film about family. It's about building connections and, and becoming human. And and I really like um, the sort of last the final lesson of the film. Again, no spoilers here, but the final message of the film um what logan passes on uh, i i really like that um and i find that it applies a lot in 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 life you know that's what you know great film should be about you know it, it should be specific and yet it should be quite it should give a very significant sort of general message about life in general um and i enjoyed it for that and i um the violence totally works um um, I think the violent tone is correct because I mean, let's face it—you've had 17 years of this guy who has claws, and yet has never drawn any blood for the entire franchise, and now suddenly realize, wow, that's what these claws really can do, and it feels really more like this is the, the the Wolverine movie that we've been waiting for, and it's too it's too bad that we waited nearly 10 years for it. Um, uh, and yeah, that's it. I I really enjoyed the film, and uh, I really hope. And this is coming from me. I I don't represent anyone, and I think Paul would not agree with me. I hope the entire Fox X Men franchise would just end right here. It was just it was a perfect note, and I think the final shot is just really the perfect franchise ender. I think, and I'm not saying it's the best. I think mean, it would go out on a really high note, and honestly, I'm tired of X Men films, and um, I after Apocalypse, I didn't think I would ever sit, want to sit through any of them again, but Logan sort of changed my mind, but um, not enough that I want another X-Men film. I really would just sort of like the franchise to end on this really high note, and I think I couldn't think of a better way to end it. Um, and yeah, so so this, like I said, the second X-Men film that I like in all 17 years.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I've got some bad news for you. It's not ending because uh they're moving to tv with a new x-men television series and casting is to include jamie chung as blink and uh yeah some of you are going to be scratching your head thinking wait a minute fan bing bing was blink in uh days of future past and so i guess this is a younger tanner version of the character um
0: so. Well, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind TV version because I don't necessarily have to watch a TV version of it. I mean, TV <laughs> is okay. Go live on in TV. You guys, you know, I didn't mind the. I watched the cartoon. When I was a kid too, so you know that's fine. It's a comic book and it's supposed to be episodic and go ahead and do all that stuff. But you know, films. I'm. You know, for my job, I'm obligated to watch these things and I have to pay to watch these things. So um um honestly i don't want to see any more of the prequel stuff because apocalypse really killed that that's that that, that storyline and and um now that hugh jackman and patrick stewart I, I don't see any any reasoning to watch the the first generation of x-men anymore either so you know I, i'm cool with them starting a new generation and a little t- episodic tv um that's fine but film film wise um i hope you know i don't want I don't want Deadpool to be, to be absorbed into the X-Men. I want Deadpool to keep doing his own thing. And he has, his personality, the film has sort of set it up that he is always going to be a lone wolf. He's not going to play well with others, especially in a film like X-Men. So, so you know, just just let Deadpool do his own thing.
1: You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit congcast.com for more. And you have been listening to the east green west green podcast our theme music was composed by rob javor of schnauzer radio orchestra research has come from a variety of sources but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the hong kong movie database we also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you so if you would like to be part of the show please get in touch with us via our website at uh, concast.com that's k-o-n-g-c-a-s-t.com you can follow along with us on twitter twitter.com can email us at, at gmail.com and you can find us on Facebook at East S West S. I also urge you to follow along with Kevin, especially now that he's in super busy mode. He's going to be traveling and bouncing around and doing all the things that he does. So, where can they find out more about
0: you, sir? You can uh, follow me. You can read my stuff on. Uh... Discovery Magazine and Circle Magazine on Cathay Pacific Airways and Cathay Dragon. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at The Golden Rock. That's one word, The Golden Rock. So follow uh, what's going on in Osaka when I travel off and also what happens in during Hong Kong Film Mart. And I uh, might have a little announcement in the next couple of shows. Uh, I haven't confirmed anything yet, but um, well, I haven't decided when to announce it. But uh, it's not pregnancy, uh, illness, or, or uh, move. It's more of a professional announcement, um, but uh, it'll be. It'll be. Uh, I'm looking forward to announcing it when it actually is ready to be announced.
1: All right, we'll look forward to that. Um, in our next episode, episode should be two twenty. Um, what are you going to be talking about?
0: I might actually pick because I'm going to be watching a couple of Hong Kong films early in Osaka. So there's the new uh, film by Fire uh, Lee Fire, uh, Husband Killers with Steffi. A um, 29 plus one uh, st- um, the uh, starring Chrissy uh, Chrissy Chow and you know, 77 heartbreak starring Christi- uh, uh, Charlene Choi. So I might talk about one of those films because um, on my traveling schedule I- I'll be missing Vampire Cleanup Department mm, <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately. I think. Yes. unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so, whenever we do get to uh, record our next show, next time uh, we record, I'll be back from Osaka already. So, I might be able to talk about one of those films early.
1: All right, excellent. And if all holds well, I should be talking about the return of Kong in uh, Kong Skull Island. That's King Kong, not Donkey Kong. So, uh, all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen West Screen Podcast saying don't shoot the limo. And we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time, everybody. Time. Uh.